Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day-to-day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. Welcome to episode 31, recorded on November 22nd, 2021. We're approaching the end of the year, and after a couple dozen podcasts, Grant thought it would be a good time to both review what happened in 2021 and look ahead to 2022. So, here we go. So, Grant, uh, we are at the end of 2021, which was better than 2020, still not back to normal, but uh, things seem to be settling down somewhat, and maybe 2022, somewhere along the line, will be back to where we were before the before in the before times. Okay, hold on. I I think you're right in a term that I don't know if there is a before times again, Alan. Well, you're probably right. Uh, what we have learned over however many programs we did this year was that COVID accelerated a lot of things that were already happening. So instead of something taking seven or 10 years to come to fruition or to become uh, obvious to the public, it's it's taken two. So uh, we're having to adapt to a lot of changes in a lot of different areas. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to change. And I think over the course of this past season, um, we reflect a lot of things from how we how mobility has changed. It's going to change our world and how it is the whole state of the mind um, and expanding to the whole future of the world, including we studied airports and we had a great session on airports and we studied the human mind of because of the changes. We had someone on who wrote a book. Um, so there's a lot of things that I think the, the people should go back and review in the season that we learned about in season two that really just was a, a flow through from season one. Um, and that's where I think we are today. I, I think you're right. Um, do you believe that this acceleration of, of um, what are we going to call it? Evolution, progress, change, adaptation. Do you think this is going to continue or are we going to eventually slow down and see things iterate and innovate at the speed we once did? We once did? I'll tell you what I think. And that's, you know what, Al? That is the, that's the key question. And again, I'm probably going to answer it. Maybe not the way you think. I think it's even to go faster. So, so John Torrey even recently had just come on board and said that, um, not only are we going to hit those carbon neutral initiatives, we're going to hit them faster. So he comes out recently and he says, Oh, no, no. Our targets are, and guys, listen to this. 2040. That's crazy. And 40% by 2030. I believe that we are going to be hit even harder. Now, when he makes those statements, that puts a stress on development of everything. And when the one of the biggest developing cities in the world says that, we have to take notice, even if they're wrong. I think that's a mindset everywhere. So my answer to you, Alan, is it's going to accelerate. Okay. I have another question, and it has to do with uh, condo development. 
Toronto, where we're based, is yep. one of the greatest, fastest growing cities in the world. We, Our national bird is the construction crane. I agree. We have seen over the last portion of 2021 that developers are being encouraged to provide fewer parking spaces and have less burden on them to build parking garages than in the past because the idea is that we'll have more transit, we'll have more ride sharing, more um, work at home, work at um, home. Yeah. So what do you what do you think about that? I mean, Locomobi is, is a company that spends an awful lot of time and energy on technology for for condo parking. So how are you going to handle that? I think that's why we're here. Um, I think what a lot of, you know, Alan, I just did a couple of magazine interviews that'll come out soon about all this stuff, but actually that's why I came about. Um, there is the challenge. So what do you have to do? You have to use the space you have more diligently. Um, we're doing condo, and I'm not trying to put an ad out here for locomotive, but you asked, um, we're doing condo developments where we have to utilize less space, stronger enforcement, utilize and maximize the stalls to their best and revenue share models. Um, all of those play a big role. And, and, and you mentioned one thing that has come out that, that is also creating a bigger problem. There's not less cars in the road. There's more cars because well, I, everyone out I, bought used cars. Every I, kid. I, yep. Go ahead. Alan. I, I was about to say that, that I, I've been going back and forth recently into the city and traffic is, is at at least 80%, if not more of what it was pre pandemic. So people have not given up their cars. At least I haven't seen people giving up their cars and the, the problems that we had pre pandemic have returned. Yeah. Here, here's what you have to understand. Let's say it's 80%. I don't know what it is. And I don't have the stats, but I would say it's busy, but the visit, the, 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 the other 20 is not, it's not because um, the, there's more coming. It's because no one's on the transit and they're working from home. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen now is we're going to see more cars on the road because there's no one taking transit. Now that will change, but that transit will not be because of the car being reduced. It's because people are going to do other things and they're, and they're coming from working to home to going downtown. So now the city has to attract people. And that's what Tory's doing. Um, he's trying to make the city a better place to live. How do you do that? You hit that carbon initiatives. I want it cleaner. I want it smoother. And I do want less cars. I'm good with that because I don't believe the future is just cars. It's the mixture of, of everything. And what we're seeing now is the GTA is trying to create their own communities. And that has a big effect. I'm, like parking is the biggest problem in every city. Okay. okay. Um, there's no doubt. And, and so it's a problem we're always going to face. But I do believe that um, the EVs, the electric cars, the carbon emissions all contribute to, to parking cars. Okay. And wait, so, uh, so go ahead. Yep. I'm, I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you and you tell me what you think. Uh, Toronto is, is blessed in the fact that it has a very vibrant downtown. There are a couple of other places on, in North America. There would be uh, Chicago. There would be New York. Um, name a few more. Uh, Chicago, New York, Dallas. Uh, Dallas, Dallas has turned around. Houston, um, Vancouver. Um, but, but there's a lot that don't have it. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, I was going to say that these are, these are places that whose downtowns don't empty out at the end of the workday. 
Correct. Uh, now, what about cities where pre-COVID you would have a lot of people working downtown and then leaving to go to the suburbs at five o'clock or whatever? Now we may have a situation where they may not be going downtown for the workday so that the downtown may be emptier than it was pre-COVID. So, yep, correct. But, 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 um, I'll argue that. And um, by the way, I, I uh, agree with you, but I'm trying to take the other argument. Um, look at Toronto, and I want to use Toronto because I think other cities are following. New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. Uh, l- look at what they're doing. Developers are building up instead of across. So horizontal um, is gone, vertical is big. So now when you add a tower of 800 people in downtown Toronto, that's 500 homes. So you've now transplanted people downtown. People are now going to move into these developments and there's big ones like Tridal's doing, you know, they just finished, we just finished what the fourth phase or fifth phase of Bayside community, which now together, that's probably 10,000 people. Okay. Where'd they come from, Alan? They didn't come from homes in downtown Toronto. Okay. So what's happening is you're seeing the transition of the urban plantation. Uh, There's a lot of people who want urban living have decided, you know what? I can't afford a house. Not only can I not afford a house in Toronto, I can't afford a house in Burlington. I can't afford, so you know what? I'm not going any further up. So what's my next solution? Urban living. So what has evolved now is Aspen Ridge, 60 acres in the old IBM lands. You have Brightwater, the biggest community planned community in North America down at the base of Etobicoke. And these, and they're going to have their own city, their communities, okay, that are going to have hockey rinks. And they're going to offer everything. So, Alan, not me and you maybe, but the next version of our, our, of our um, youth are going to move to those communities. They're not going. And the ones that don't are going to move far out into what we call bedroom communities outside of Toronto that will have their own services. Like even the planned community that we just got awarded in Oakville, in North Oakville by Minto, which is the largest multifamily community builder in in Canada, um, they're trying to attract you not to go downtown. But that doesn't matter because you see, we don't, we can't, aff- we can't handle more people downtown. Toronto will handle itself because of all these planned communities People got to move there and they're going to be full. They're gonna, the population is going to increase. So I'm not sure. I think we have to have both or it's not going to work anyhow. We got to have the clan communities in the suburbs and we got to have the plan communities. If we don't have the one in the suburbs, Toronto can't handle it anyhow. That's mm-hmm. what I think. So this leads me to a question about gas prices. Gas prices are really, really high around the world. And there are a number of reasons why this is happening. It's OPEC, it's supply chain issues and so on, whatever. But at some point, people are going to say, I can't spend this much money going back and forth to work. I mean, I have to pay for parking. I have to pay for gas. It's just too much. And this leads into this growing hybrid work um, situation that we seem to be having with more and more companies and, and even governments where you go into the office two, three days a week, and then you stay home and work from home the other days of the week. Or, or you have, you know, 100% remote work. Or uh, you, you have people who 
move downtown and stay downtown. Yep. Um, you're right on all of them. I think, first of all, um, whether it's inflation on gas or whatever, gas is going to be raised. The price will go up simply because, one, it is inflation right now. But two is the government doesn't want to offer more gas. The, the municipalities are going to create roadblocks to over gas supply so prices will stay high. I think there is that change. I think gas prices are going to go back down um, as we, because I think what's happened right now is we have this global, uh, the U.S. themselves have created a, a supply problem. Uh, Europe's always had it. But when the U.S. decide not to allow pipelines and, and, that, and then at the same time, um, if OPEC's smart enough, they're going to say, well, we're not increasing supply. Well, what happened there? What happened there is that there is a big disagreement between Joe Biden and MBS of Saudi Arabia. Sure. Uh, they, don't, they don't get along very well over the death of Amal Khashoggi. And when, when Donald Trump asked uh, MBS to increase production as a favor to him to make him look good and prices went down, MBS did. But when Biden asked MBS to increase production to help him, he refused. And the, the the theory I have from a lot of economists is it all has to do with the with the death of Amal Khashoggi and how the the Democrats and Joe Biden won't play ball with OPEC and vice versa. And it, but you know it's always been a political football even before Trump. Um, and yeah, Trump was pro. Well, well, let's face it, Trump Trump was pro U.S. and pro anything that made U.S. sufficient. So he wanted the pipelines. To come on, but I think again, even on or off, there's a world initiative to get rid of gas as quickly as possible. But it's not going to happen, guys, because no. the power of the the power of the electric infrastructure requires all this fuel. So it's a it's it's going to happen. But I think we got to freight a bit off our question. Is that I think that the city is changing. I think that people. Um, will be offered incentives to drive to work, okay, that have to, okay? Um, I think transit will come back to, uh, not maybe to its full capacity, but will come back. Um, but I got to tell you, um, it doesn't matter. Um, our roads weren't jammed just now. They were jammed before COVID. They were jammed 10 years before COVID. So anything that starts, the only thing we haven't done is made the roads parking, roads, traffic, more efficient. And um, that's what the cities want to do. They're not, they want to, what they want to do, you, you just said yourself, I don't want to come downtown. Well, they got to figure out how to way to get you downtown. So now the initiative is not about uh, roads. It's about how do I get people to come down more efficiently? And, and Alan, roads are going to play a big part of it, at least right. for the next 50 so this will be parking. This will be traffic management. This will probably be yeah. tolling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does it does it include building new roads? Do you think? No, no, I don't think so. I think it may be modifying some roads, um, paying to use certain roads, creating people to use more efficient transportation and rewarding them for it. I have always believed there has to be a, a, a risk reward type thing. Um, you take this way and I'll reward you with something. Why? 
Because in the end, it really helps the infrastructure. And in the end, it's cost efficient. It's not cost efficient to own an electric car right now, but it will be. It's not, but it doesn't change whether you're driving or not. It's not cost efficient. Let's, let's look at, uh, at traffic again. So you talk about risk, uh, punishment and reward. In places like London and Singapore, they have the congestion zones downtown, where if you want to drive through that area, you are punished by uh, a fee that's, that's levied upon your, your vehicle. So that's a punishment yep. approach. What it's kind a of privilege? It, it is a privilege. So, so when you talk about rewarding people to come downtown, how do you do that? Easy. Um, if I want you to come to my building, I have to create a way to funnel you there. It could be discounts. It could be discount on parking. It could be refunding your congestion fee. It could be simply um, better service. But that will happen. That's what we do now. Isn't that what we do now? Do you know why? Why do we have Black Friday? Because we give you rewards to buy today. Why wouldn't that not be with everything? To, to, so that's going to happen. And so companies in our world, including even my company, you have to be able to put together programs that socially interact with people to do things. Um, come downtown. So, so you suggest that uh, disincentives to do certain things with your vehicle will slowly yep. slide away in favor of incentives. Both. Like, I don't see, I don't see, I don't view congestion uh, management as a disincentive. Because if I'm driving downtown, I would love to pay a bit more to get half the cars off the road downtown. See, I view that as a positive. Congestion for me, I hate it. So if I'm delivering, put it this way, Al, if I'm UPS or I'm a delivering stuff as a company, I'm doing service down there. What kills me is congestion. That hurts the economy. It doesn't help the economy. So the guy who's going to just tour around and do nothing, yeah, he's going to pay. But the guy that really has a meaning to be downtown doesn't mind it. I certainly don't. And I think what Britain does is, well, I mean, we're already doing that in New York, congestion pricing. And it's going to come here as well. I don't think it does anything but free up roads to get more people down. You're going to love this. To get more real people into the city. Okay, wait a second. It's going to stop the, the looky-loo. I'm going downtown. I don't know. Maybe I'll go shopping and drive around the city. You're done. You're finished. Or maybe I'm going to hop in my car and drive five blocks to see you, Alan. Let's well, that, that's a real problem. I know people in the city who get in their Range Rover and drive five blocks to go get groceries. And yeah, they I think that'll over. be gone. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll get them delivered. But anyhow, see, now we're talking. Well, let, come on, guys. We're going to order our groceries. We're not going to do that. Let someone else deal with that. And if we're going to do that, they will pay the congestion because that's their business. They're doing 20 buildings in a row of groceries. It makes no sense for us to do that. That's common sense. And so from my standpoint, I see that as being very big. I see all these services will take up the streets downtown. Well, we'll just walk around, hop on the subway, maybe take an Uber, but or, or, or car share. Okay? We keep forgetting about that. So I do think that changes everything. I do believe that's exactly where we're going. And so, listen, I got to tell you something, Alan. Um, my son lives in Burlington. And I moved the company from downtown Toronto to Mississauga. His drive from Burlington to Mississauga in traffic is an hour and 10 minutes. 
Are my you kidding me? Hour and 10 minutes because just the QEW to the 410 to the office at rush hour. Wow. See what I'm saying? Freak- People are all caught up on this thing with downtown. I'm going to tell you, hop on the QEW in Oakville and go the other way. And you're bumper to bumper all the way to Hamilton. No, what, what we're seeing now is, is it used to be uh, suburbs to downtown in the morning and then downtown to the suburbs at night. Now we're seeing uh, suburbs to suburbs, downtown that, to suburbs. Now you got it. Now you got it. See? So listen, what's going to happen when Aspen Ridge is built at the IBM lands? If you've ever driven by there, it's oh, a yeah. massive development. I was there yeah. two days ago. Um, how are you going to get them there? Like, forget about downtown Toronto. You just added all these people. Well, okay, okay wait a sec. The IBM lands are on the uh, Eglinton Crossdown uh, transit line. But everyone, so is downtown Toronto. So what? Okay, and then let's look at let's look at your building, the one in Etobicoke. It's going to have eleven thousand residents. Um, yeah, I get you're going to have go train go by there. So what? How about the people coming from the other way? From the north, they're not going to do that. So, yes, you're going to have a mix, but now you're having to feed bigger parking parking uh, people or programs outside in those what you call, I don't call them communities. Mississauga is a city. Mm-hmm. Um, Barrie is a city. So all we've done is move it. Now, who's to say it's all about charging for parking? What if it's all about just efficiently managing your parking? Like if I'm going to sell you this million dollar condo in Burlington, I want to make sure I can get you there and get you out of there. I need to show you the convenience of not just transit. I get the transit, but you want everything. Okay. Even the EVs, electric cars, shared mobility, they all require an infrastructure. So it changes. That's all. It changes. You're moving infrastructure around. And yes, one day we hope that it'll be electric. But remember, if it becomes all electric, then you're going to have a bigger infrastructure problem again of cars on the road. Because now we're okay because we got carbon zero, net zero now. But now everyone wants their car again. And so now it's just a bunch of electric cars on the grid. Mm-hmm. Do you understand, Alan? I don't think long-term, go to Europe. It's bumper to bumper. And they promote only. I mean, you go to Paris and you don't move all around Paris. So it doesn't matter that they're, they're all heavy into transit. It just doesn't matter. Now, I can't predict 100 years from now, so I can't say. But I don't see anything changing major over the next 50 years. Um, what is the big issue is this. When you provide, the only way you're going to provide us an efficient, smart city, I'm going to tell you, there's only one way. There's only one way. The use of AI. Okay. AI will be the number one thing or aspect of the smart city. It has to be. Because if you think for a minute you can use this master cloud to run a whole city, you're dreaming. It's going to be a bunch of mini clouds, right? So connectivity is regional quickly. You're connecting with all types of clouds all over the place based on different services because you can't store everything on one big cloud. You'll just pop, pop. So what people don't understand is AI is going to say, make real-time decisions. By the way, not just about parking. Everything you do every day, okay? We call that knowledge management in our field, where we're making everyone more efficient. 
But to do that, guess what you need? A huge infrastructure of cloud talk in the cloud. So the AI spend is going to be in the, I don't know, billions or trillions in a city um, where everyone is sharing and talking to each other. But AI has to do it. So the the real profligation of spend and expense, you talked about how quickly, is going to be AI. AI has not matured, but it will mature. I don't know when. Let's say five years, four years. So now what's going to happen is if you're not on AI, you're not moving. Al, you're going nowhere. You're just going nowhere. And so what you have to do is think about that. I mean, because without that key storage, it's all about storage. People don't know that, by the way. This has actually turned into a let's predict things for 2022 and beyond rather than a year in review, which we, which we well, wanted to start. No, no. It's well, a year, no, well, we reviewed the year and you said, so is it going to keep going like this? Okay, well, let's, let's, get, let's continue to talk uh, predictions. Okay. Uh, let me throw another one at you. Yep. The, the rise of automation. Yep. What's happening? Automation, okay. Well, there, as we learned in the past and where we're seeing the future, we always thought automation was basically develop something and we'll try to get people to use it. Okay, that's normal, right? Progress application and so on. But automation now is being done two ways. Demand, which is to be more efficient, and I went down. But it's also because of the We got to go backwards because we studied the pandemic. Here's what's happened. We talked about this, Alan. Okay, why are we making robots for hospitals? Because we had strikes and people didn't want to do things. And all of a sudden we realized, not only do we need robots, oh my God. When I put them in, they're better. So people on their own have created the demand that they didn't want to. Restaurants can't get employees, okay? What's coming out big now is restaurant automation. Why? People have created the demand by not wanting to go to work. We, they didn't want to do this. They wanted people, but now there's no choice. And then what's going to happen is where our, where our, our, our big challenge is going to be the shift in the labor market. Because as automation comes, and it's come, and robotics will be the key to this. But there'll be automation of process. I'll give you an example. As companies use AI, they'll be more efficient. They'll need less people. Why? Because the average person will have access to AI and access to cloud structures that make their day more efficient. So you're going to see that. That is not robots. That's just AI. So AI is going to tell you analyze your day and how to be more efficient. What does that mean, Alan? It means less people. Uh, not, no matter what you th- anyone thinks, that's the reality. Um, and then the other automation is robots. And, and, and we already know robots are here. They're already here. You um, know what? I, I was walking down Spadina the other day, and I was almost run over by a little delivery robot. Okay, that's cool, because I haven't faced that yet. I, I did, and and people were were actually stopping and taking pictures. little you piece thing. Oh yeah, I, that's I, phenomenal. I, I was I was I was I was terrified by it. I thought, well, what's this 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 machine this 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 uh, android coming at me? What am I going to? And and people were stopping and taking pictures of this thing. It was yeah. really kind of cool. No, I'm building one right now, and why? Because I don't think I have a choice. Like like you can you can pretend it's not coming, or you can, regardless if you like it or not, be ready for it. And I believe. Well, I see, I think a car, autonomous car is a robot. You see, let's not, let's not forget 
that automated the whole thing between autonomous cars and self-driving. That's a robot. Call what you want. It's a robot. So that's our first big robot. And it's scary in itself. Like I have autonomous driving on my car. I can switch it to automatic and it will steer. It'll drive on the highway. It'll even turn on the ramps. It's, I put it on and it's too scary. I turn it off. Okay. So it's not, I'm not ready for it. Nor there is anyone really. The guys that are, you read about them smashing, falling asleep and smashing into people. Um, so, but it's coming. Whether we like it or not, it's coming. So why is it not going to feed everywhere else? Of course it is. That's what it's all about, linking all the autonomous stuff. So why would not have faster thinking robots out there doing things? Of course, drones. I mean, everything's a drone now. A drone was 5000 now it's $299. And I'm talking a good drone, okay? We're even having drone armies, Alan. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I know you're laughing, but no, I know I've read all the books and seen all the movies. Okay. I know. So, so the challenge will not be developing this technology. The challenge will be the smart city resources to handle it all. Because if you don't, you're going to have a nightmare. Okay, understand? Mm-hmm. It will be a nightmare. So we call that, as you know, infrastructure. We've been talking about it for thirty something episodes. We, at our company, we're doing it. Everyone is doing it. If you're not, you're in a dream world. I, I was saying in an interview the other day, if you're not there now, just hang them up. Hang them up. It's, it's, you're too far behind. I mean, you should have started preparing for infrastructure five years ago. And so if you're just jumping in there now, and yeah, I'll acquire a company to do it. Nah, it, it's not about that. It's the whole mindset, the whole thing. Cities, countries, the world. In the air and on the ground, if you're not there, you've got to get there because it's going to be all we call, you know, that's the newest one, Ron, IAAS, Pine. Infrastructure Pine. as a Service. And what are they thinking is, well, that's the new one. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. There's going to be thousands of clouds. Why should you pay for this big cloud when all you pay for is what you use on these mini clouds? So today I need this. Why should I pay for this great big infrastructure as a service when all I need is one little piece? So it's going to be all these clouds offering services and picture that. And you're going to decide on demand in real time, which one you need rather than say, I'm paying 5,000 a month for this thing. And I use this piece one time. No, no, no. That's not how it's going to be. It's going to be, if you think of this, think of this, it's going to be completely open, open-ended. And what you're going to be is the ability to be open to everyone. And the companies that can open up their cloud infrastructures are the ones that are going to do well because they're going to talk and relate to each other, and they're going to be the most proficient. When I need this, he's there. Well, he sure can't be there if he's down in Denver, okay? So all these ones that are going to be sharing clouds and developing new clouds, that's the key. And so what is that all about? That's about bandwidth. That's about, oh. Edge computing at its best, okay? Um, storage devices are become very important because if I'm going to be doing things locally, I don't want to keep going to the cloud every five minutes. So where's my storage going to be? Well, guess what? That's a different thing. And so picture you got to furnish these cities with all of this, okay? And that is where the challenge is going to be. It's not going to be developing products. I'm going to tell you now. It's not going to be there. So now we talk about the cloud, 
like we always have. First in, who's in, who's doing what. And then we talk about all the latent technology and all the stuff that has to go away. And we're going to see that fall quickly. And I think the 21st century is going to be transforming everything to be able to connect in the urban, what I call the urban infrastructure. And that's all these clouds talking to each other. And you paying only for what you use, Alan. See, right now, even my clients, they pay a monthly fee, whether they use it or not, right? It's your cloud service. That's dead. I know I shouldn't say that, right? Sounds bad, but I think it's dead. I think you have to optimize the clouds. Do you understand? Okay. Next next comment for a prediction. 5G and beyond. Yeah, well, 5G is not even here, even though it is. Like if you, I throw up every time they bring up 5G because it's not here. It's talked about, but we don't have the ability to service it. So can you imagine if you add anything more to this? So there'll be a lot of stress on the telecos to provide the networks we need that we'll call the fiber or whatever you want to call it. And I think they will. I think they will. Why? Because everyone else is going to develop optimized systems, right? They can sit on those clouds. The loser of 5G is not Rogers, um, anyone down the States. It doesn't matter where they are. Uh, Bell. Uh, it's not them. It's us, the companies. We have to find the ability to be more efficient in how we use cloud services. That frees up the 5G network. And what? First of all, we don't know, but let's face it. Do you really think that all the networks are going to be based on local clouds and mobile? No. Alan, they're going to be quantum in space. <laughs> okay, stop. I was wondering how long it was going to take. We are about 35 minutes into this podcast, and Grant finally uses the word quantum yeah. In conjunction with You've got quantum, computing. Yeah, yeah. quantum satellites. About, sure. Let's sure. talk about so that. So you have quantum satellites, right? They're already launched. China, everyone's doing it now. And so, listen, come on. I mean, that's where it's going to be. Um, so now we have to figure out how we're going to communicate with those and how they will share those because they're transmitting data at much faster speeds, you know, beyond light. And we want that. Um so now you've got this master digital cloud, and then you have these sub-clouds throughout the cities because we need them both. So I don't know where 5G comes in long-term. Um, is it 10G? Is it called Super G Quantum? I don't know. Um, how can we say? Um, but 5G sure won't cut it. 5G looks great. Oh, have you ever watched a basketball game? Oh, do you want to see the, the reverse play in 5G? That's what they, well, that's what people think is 5G. That's nothing. Okay, that's just nothing. And so um, I'm a proponent of 5G, but it's probably obsolete by the time we all get to use it functionally the way we want to use it. It's probably going to be something else by then because we're at that ability to to, to travel at such high speeds and data. But but see, Alan, I'm back to what I said, though. Whether we go satellite, it's all going to be about, um, and by the way, when a satellite's up in the air, there's a better chance it'll stay up running than the local cloud, okay? Um, so, because we depend on it for so many things, satellite transmission. But if you look at um, if you look at uh, each company, again, we're back to, 
it'll be all about how you can manage your services, how you can petition to be working with everybody. And everyone talking to everybody, I've said this forever, is the key. How do we talk with each other? And then, of course, how do we attract people to talk to me? So I've always said that it's not about just your technology. It's how about the how you get people to use it and encourage people to use your technology. And we know, um, we haven't talked about, is the social networks. They are the key to everything. They create demand. We have to supply what they want. We have to filter out what we don't want. We have to think about security. So the stress is going to be on the cloud. Where it is, quantum computing, we all know, is the future. Uh, we don't know when, but um, there's not a day we don't read about a new quantum theory, uh, new a new theory that mixes physics and thesis together, and it's coming out, something new. Um, Everyone that I know is already working on quantum. It's just that we don't know where it's going to take us yet because it's too new. Okay. Do you have any further predictions for 2022 and beyond? Um, I think the biggest prediction I will I would make is the the amount of companies that will fall to the wayside because they didn't make the jump. I think you're going to find, okay. um, like it's been going on. Now, the reason you can't, quantified is because of COVID. But I think there's a lot of companies out there who will see stagnant growth because they haven't made that juncture. And I think the big winners will be in the cloud storage, cloud segmentation of the market. They're the big winners of the world. And um, anyone that follows that suit will be with them. So I think um, cloud and robots. I think robots are going to be big, really big. So, okay. 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 Can, can I can I throw one in? Yeah. Uh, the realization of a massive supply chain disruption with the further introduction and adoption of EVs, electronic vehicles, as we no longer need people to build engine blocks and transmissions and uh, offer oil changes and all the other things that internal combustion engines require. And I think people are going to finally, the, the penny is going to drop sometime in the next couple of years that the entire automotive business, no matter what kind of vehicle you're talking about, is going to shift to the EV side dramatically. And it's going to require a lot of uh, automation. It's going to require a lot of adaptation. And a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. I think it already has. And <laughs> so just because the big three are still building engines with gas, they've already shifted. They're announcing every car is going to be electric. So they want to make the shift, but you don't make the shift if you have the demand for the other market. That's the smart part of them. But I think it's already happening. But, 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 there's a big but is there is no way, there is no way we have an infrastructure to handle EV for the next three or four years. It's not there. The grid's not there. Um, you can't go to Ottawa and travel all around and be on EV. It's just not there. So um, what's going to be more efficient? And So you made a good prediction. Let's go further. The prediction will be a more efficient battery technology, whether it be solid state. Oh, oh, okay. There we go. Okay, yeah. I like that one. We, yeah. So solid state, sodium-based, well, whatever you know, it is going to be next. Um, one of the big ones is 
um, the one Bill Gates invented, uh, inv- invested in. Um, so let's see. Um, and it's, it's based on solid state and quantum technology. So let's see what he does. Um, but I think that it has to happen. And Elon Musk, I mean, I don't know if he's still interested. He's, he's, you know, he's built Tesla and now he's got his SpaceX, which is pretty cool. I mean, and so, uh, you know, who will come up with the battery that works best? No one has yet. Nobody has. Okay. Um, so we have battery swapping in China, which I thought was an innovation that is amazing. Because that eliminates the whole grid. Mm-hmm. Realize that, right? If you have battery swapping, yeah. you don't need that grid for now, and that's smart. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Let me point out where this is coming. Let me point out where this is coming from. Uh, we have Formula One racing, but we also have E-racing. Formula E yeah. racing, and you can't make it through an entire race on the same. They don't battery charge path. it. Yeah, they don't so they, charge they, it. <laughs> no, they swap. They yeah, swap that's, out the that's battery. where it did come from, so you know. Um, now, Neo in China, they revolutionized the whole Chinese EV market, and they have battery swap stations throughout the group, throughout this country now, and they're like uh, little car washes, but nothing inside. You go in, five minutes, you're gone. No, sorry, two minutes, you're gone. Couple of clips, new battery, see you later, bye-bye battery. Charge for the next guy. Well, that took care of the grid, and that's very smart. Now, that's an innovation, Alan, that it's not technology. It's just smart. Like, it's like innovations don't always have to be technology. They can be thoughts of ideas that make us better. When you talk about people that we had in our show that talked about the mind and how to think better, that's not technology innovation. You're you're being taught things to be better. Now, AA may do further, but there's a lot of things that we are learning that have nothing to do with technology, right? It was like, how can I solve a problem? They solved the problem. We should be looking at that in North America. Like these battery stops are, like you already have, okay, Alan, why doesn't ESO say, okay, we're adding battery stops at every ESO station? Oops, oh, maybe I started something here. But do you understand what I'm saying? All of a sudden the grid's gone, it's done. Mm-hmm. And they get to make that transition. Or, or Alan, they already know that <laughs> and they're waiting like they're not stupid. OK, so maybe that's already in their business plan. This has been a fascinating discussion about things, both past, present and future. Uh, we will have more of these podcasts for you throughout 2022. We'll keep on, you know, keep well, Grant will keep on uh, tabs on everything that's ha- that's that's going on in the world technology. And we'll just uh, we'll see how many of these predictions come true. And when we do this. At this time next year, we'll uh, we'll have to do another review. Yeah, and I just I just want to wish everyone a happy new year. And um, I think that it's been fun. And I think we've gained a lot of, of listeners, Alan. I get a lot. It's great to see. And I, I think it's been fun. And I think we want to keep this going. And I think that um, it, every every podcast from the past, people should go and have a listen. Uh, try to follow it and get caught up. I know people have done that. They find one they like, and then they find another. But do you know something now? There's a podcast for everybody to listen to right now. <laughs> there sure is. There sure is. But isn't that isn't that what we should have done? Like that's good. We did music. We did we did everything about where yeah. everything's going. Because everyone's different. We're not all about smart cars. Okay. We're about the podcast may be about primarily smart city and infrastructure, but there's so many things. And I think we have to keep an open mind and try to give as much content to everyone. 
You're right. Okay. Let's wrap it up. And we will reconvene in 2022 with more stories about smart cities, technology, quantum computing, robots, and everything else that Grant holds dear. And that's it for this edition of the Smart City Podcast and for 2021. We'll be back in the new year to speak to more smart people with their ideas for connecting us together through smart technologies. If you have any questions or comments, send them to feedback at thesmartcity.blog. We love reading that. And check out the website, thesmartcity.blog. Notice that URL, .blog. The Smart City Podcast, brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless solutions. Executive producer is Grant Furlane. Technical production by Rob Johnston. Executive assistant is Andrea Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.